Hey, morning, everyone. My name is Robbie Thigpen, and uh, I'm not talking about sargassum and writing science books today. Once again, we're talking about the eruption on St. Vincent. Today, we got Duvall from the uh, Climate Conscious Podcast joining us again. We also have Melissa from St. Vincent. She's a geophysicist. We have uh, Miss Tess. Um, she's part of the uh, Caribbean diaspora. She's been living in Canada, and now she's back in St. Vincent, living there now. And all she's up there teaching for a while. And we got Maxine. She's also part of the diaspora, and she's living in Atlanta, Georgia, about five hours west of me right now, uh, as I'm at the terminus of uh, eastern terminus of I-20. Anyway, um, we got a great podcast for you today. Me and Fran are back, and um, we just hope we're going to share some news with you and, and some stories that's going to help. And uh, so, in the meantime, y'all have a good day, and uh, and we'll get right to it. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to our third episode of the special coverage of La Soufrière eruption and how it impacted people in that area right on the ground. Today, we're actually talking to three people. Um, the first one is Maxine Trutman, who is born in St. Vincent, but lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and has been working on getting help for her fellow St. Vincent um, community. Um, she's also the founder of Max Opus Round, a nonprofit organization which focuses on education and building creativity and leadership through literacy and the arts for minority youth. Um, she earned a Bachelor's of Science in Business Management and a Master's of Education in Higher Education Leadership and is a certified project management professional. Our second guest is Melissa De Freitas. She is a geophysicist with a passion for the environment and sustainable development. She has been employed as an energy officer at the energy unit of the government of St. Vincent and the Grenadines since 2014, where she has worked on a variety of renewable energy and energy efficient projects and implemented numerous events geared at sensitizing the Vincentian public on the use of sustainable ener energy technology. She holds a bachelor's degree in physics with focus on environmental physics from the Uni University of the West Indies and a master's degree in geophysics from the University of Iceland. She's also a member of the Women in Geothermal and the Women in Renewable Energy which are global networks which seek to promote education, professional development, and advancement of women in both the geothermal and renewable energy communities. And she comes to us straight from St. Vincent today. Our third guest, Tessa Davy, is also in St. Vincent. She has been in the tourism industry for many years and also is an experienced healthcare professional from Canada. Um, she is from St. Vincent, but has lived in Canada for several years. And recently she has retired and has returned full-time to tourism as part of what she does during her retirement. And at the moment she is in St. Vincent um, as well. Welcome everybody to our podcast. Derval, would you like to uh, start things off today? Sure. So welcome everyone. Um, so on April 8th, 
seismic activity was reported. And then on April 9th, last fray, there was an explosive eruption. So Melissa, can you take us through your experience of those two days, um, April 8th and 9th? Well, I can take you back a little bit further than that. Um, the first, the, the volcano first started erupting effusively on the 27th of December, 2020. And this basically means that magma was just sort of making its way to the surface and oozing out to form a kind of dome. Because here in St. Vincent, our lava is not like those that you would see in like Hawaii or Iceland. It's a very thick, viscous lava. So it does a lot of dome building. So in the team from the UV Seismic Research Center came to start putting down more equipment to increase the monitoring at last Frere. So um, in February, my a few colleagues and I, we were actually some of the local volunteers who went on the summit of La Sufre to put down GPS stations and do gas testing and so on. But the strange thing is the seismicity had, was, it was really unusual because La Sufre, you would not have known from the seismic signal that's erupting because it was just so quiet. And... Uh, the, I mean, obviously you're seeing that the, a dome is, the dome is building, the dome is getting bigger, but it was just so quiet. So I think it was in March, towards the end of March, there was a change in seismicity and we started getting what the, what we call volcanic tectonic earthquakes, which generally occur as magma moves from a deeper source closer to the surface. So that lasted a few days and, you know, it was back to normal again, it was quiet. And uh, Vincentians were a bit afraid because they thought that, okay, Sufre has the last eruption of the last Sufre volcano was on the 13th of April, 1979. So everybody panicked because they said, okay, she's going to blow on Good Friday. She's going to blow on Easter weekend because the 13th of April, 1979 was actually the, um, on a, it was a Black Friday and a Good Friday and everything in one. But on the 6th of April, which well, there was that Monday, Easter Monday, there were reports again of increased seismicity. Yeah, there were reports again of um, increased seismicity. And these originated maybe about three to five kilometers beneath the surface on the last fray as compared to the end of March when it was about maybe between five to 10 kilometers. So clearly magma was moving upwards. And again, this quieted them again. But on the 8th of April, that's when everything started changing. When we heard that activity was increasing and we had a feeling that the government would issue the evacuation order, it might not have been the wisest thing to be at the Volcano Observatory because it's located on the leeward side of the island where it's just one way in, one way out, or by boat. So we didn't really want to be caught in that kind of rush to leave. So what the report suggested is that there were volcanic tremors, which are really indicative of explosive eruptions. So the first thing I could think was, okay, 
I need to start collecting water. I need to start going to the supermarket because this thing is going to happen whether we want it or not. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, but... So the morning of the 89th, I went to, I was actually at work when it erupted. And uh, I don't know, something was just telling me, oh, Melissa, you should, you shouldn't even go to work today. You should stay home and do what you have to do. And um, what's that? So after the eruption, I called my husband. I told him, you know what? I'm not staying here. Before the water goes, we need to get water because if there's ash in the water supply, we would be without water for a while. So sooner said than done because not too long after we got home, we filled up some more containers just to use for stuff like other domestic things like bathing, flushing the toilet, washing dishes, even drinking more drinking water. We, we didn't, water went around maybe 1 p.m. And then the second explosion happened. I mean, it was a real sight to see because we saw this huge mushroom cloud and we're in the south of the island, so I didn't really expect that we would see it from so far away. Um, the next day, that is just when everything changed. There was ash everywhere. Literally everywhere. Ash is coming into the house. Ash. It was, it was so frustrating. And I was just at this point that, oh my God, it's, it's too much, you know? I, so I could imagine what those people who were in the north were feeling because they would have been, they would have had much more ash than we would. And my parents actually live in the yellow zone closer to the north and they had a few inches maybe of ash deposited. And the advice to clean the ash right away, but however, we don't have water. And we also advised to prioritize water for drinking and cooking. So it, it's, I think it's getting a, a little better now, but as Tessa said, there's ash everywhere. You're cleaning all the time. You go outside and you come in, there's just ash. Mm, mm, mm. How, how many, when the, the explosion started happening, <coughs> excuse me, and you were watching it from, or hearing it from your house, how many air miles away are you from the, uh, the eruption? quite sure you know sure. more or less um okay so how long so Vincent's what 18 miles long somebody another Vincent correct me if I'm wrong more or so less so far as in the north I'm immediately in the south so I would say about 18 miles away in straight line uh-huh good distance a big 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 yes it's huge distance hmm so is there any is there any part of the island that is not impacted by the eruption or any of the physical impacts? I'm not sure about the grenadines. I heard that they might have had some ash fall, but I can't say for certain. I think there was some ash fall in Beckway, um, but not much. I haven't heard about the other grenadine islands. Okay. I know some people in the Grenadines said that, that they were seeing the cloud as well, the, the plume, the volcanic plume. Yeah. J just so you'll know, we've heard reports from uh, Barbados and St. Lucia that they're being affected as well. No, the dust is primarily going towards the east, but everywhere down to Grenada uh, is covered 
uh, Guyana has not many, but St. Lucia definitely some. And someone said Dominica going north had some ash wool. So. Tessa, did you say Guyana? Nothing in Guyana that I have been told of. Okay. But Dominica. Okay. So, Melissa, it's, it's been about a week since the first eruption. So, how have you been coping? How have you and your family and your relatives been coping? To be honest, I think we're just trying to use humor to get through everything. I mean, everybody, I think Vincentians in general, they've just been really good throughout all of this. There are a lot of like people saying things like, okay, you, somebody gives some free COVID or um, she, she just blowing off some steam. Or, it's just, I guess it's just a really good way of dealing with things instead of just panic, 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 because you have to use something to cope. And for me, that has been working really well because like as a scientist, it's so fascinating to me. But to tell you the truth, it's not something I'm looking to experience again in a hurry. Yeah, I know you would be conflicted as a geophysicist, you know, this is the things that you've studied actually getting to see it in real life, but at the same time having to endure the effects of it and, and witness the devastation and, and the loss. So in addition to just the ash, what are some of the other physical impacts that you have observed? Because we've been seeing the pictures circulating on social media, but I know it's only a snapshot of what exists on the ground currently? Well, you would have seen things like collapse of roofs, for example, in the more northern communities, the red and orange zones. And this is because as the ash accumulates on the roofs of houses, or especially those roofs that are flat, when it, when it rains, the water, it kind of makes the ash feels like cement. So it becomes really heavy. So sometimes the weight of that, depending on the, it could compromise the structural integrity of your roof, so it will cause it to collapse. I've also seen lahas, which are mud flows, as well as pyroclastic flows occurring. In, well, pyroclastic flows have been reported in most of the valleys that surround Sufre, particularly on the western side and I think also at the Rabaka River, although it was reported that the Paraclastic did not reach the surface of the coast at the Rabaka River. What was observed at the Rabaka River was a laha. So, so Tess, what, 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 is, what, is, what have you been seeing around? Well, <clears throat> relying mostly on videos, uh, I'm not going close to the outskirts of Georgetown or any of those places, but um, you see how thick the ash is on the road, a couple inches. Uh, there were videos uh, of persons running when the last um, explosion, they were saying it's raining stones, it's raining stones. And you wondered what they were doing there in the first place. Um, above my house, I was able to see when the, the, the cloud was just, blossoming and getting higher and blacker and higher and blacker. Um, but in terms of that physical damage, all I can say is from what I've seen on, on, on the videos. 
but there is quite a bit of damage reported on the entire mountainside. Wow, I, I, I just I just can't imagine what it's like to be in the midst of this, you know, tempest, if, I, if you will. I have scraped uh, the, as uh, Melissa was saying, it becomes like cement trying to get it out of your guttering because it, was, it will block up your pipes if you don't. So we were quickly advised to do that. And I collected bags and bags of this heavy black ash that once you left it in the bucket became hard as cement. So I could imagine how the roofs could have collapsed quite easily. Do, do either of you have pets? Dogs or yes, cats? Yes, I do. I have three dogs. How, how are they faring right now? Well, mine are faring fairly well. They're in a yard and they have um, their pens that they run into when the noise, because we do hear some of the rumblings from time to time. They start to howl and then they go in and hiding. Um, so they're doing a lot of water. You have to boil the water to give them. But they're doing okay and brush their fur. So I yeah, think we, they're you, okay. Yeah, you know, an issue with pets and all, back, back in Belize, they have these dogs that live in the streets. They call them pot lickers. And, yeah, uh, we have them here. Yeah, and they got them everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're going to find them. And mm -hmm. um, is it, are you noticing more or less of them? Or, are they, or, or have you even paid attention to what's going on with them right now? To, to the other animals? Well, to the pot lickers and just any, any wildlife in general. No, um, I don't know if Melissa knows more, but I know a lot of the guys had stayed back in some of the areas to look after their, their, their animals. So I don't know what condition they're in, but they were asked to take them out, but it's a difficult task, right? You don't displace animals like you can displace people. <laughs> Correct. I, I don't know about those animals in the north, but my neighbor's dogs, they seem to be enjoying all this ash. No, they're just looking up and jumping around with it, not no. laying down in it. But, but um, if, they, if it does come down, like the first couple of days, we had to brush their fur. The ones that have light fur, we had to really brush them down well. Yeah, down. Maybe, maybe they think you brought some snow from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be their experience, huh? Yeah, yeah correct, correct. You see, before we lose you, I want to say thank you for, for being here and telling us about how you experienced um, the last few days or weeks. And is there anything else you want to tell the audience or talk about? No, well, there's a um, great effort of, on everyone's part local as well as uh, from the diaspora and everywhere else in trying to bring aid to us. Um, and we just have to be thankful for that. Uh, the meeting I came from was one group that we are working with in our area. There are 88 shelters here on the island, as far as I know. And uh, they're coping reasonably well. Our fear is COVID and trying to teach and remind people that they need to still wear their masks. And that's one of the great things that we need is a lot, a lot of masks because we need to get up our people wearing them at this time. But overall, I think generally, Melissa, what you said was that I think people are coping in their way quite well, considering what we're going through. And the uncertainty about it, I think is, they say a few weeks, 
but the, the after effects can be months. So we just have to keep preparing for that. Yeah, I believe one of the most dangerous things is not knowing when it's going to end. So you can yes. begin to pick up the pieces. That's, that, yeah, I think that's what's can, making people the craziest. Exactly. You can't move forward as you would like to. You know, yeah. you keep sweeping every day and you're collecting your water every day, but you don't know for how long you have to keep doing this and what else you need to resource. Yes. And so. especially, especially for the people who got displaced who are in shelters. Oh, uh, yes. Not, not a fun thing to have to not even know when you can go and see your house and assess the damage. And a lot of people, unfortunately, will take the risk to say, okay, we have a pause, I need to go see and then to go check up. And that's a little bit scary because, you know, the explosions are just, there's no pattern to them. Um, but one of the other concerns is the children. Um, you know, they're going to be cooped up for an indefinite period. One, we have to get our schools open at some point, but, you know, we have to rebuild in the meantime. So that's the frustrating part. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for being with us today, Tessa, or Miss Tessa. I was really <laughs> glad to see you outside because everybody we've talked to so far said so you can't even be outside right now. It's bad. And also, yeah. so, so that, that makes my heart feel good to just to see your face and and see you outside. So, Miss Tessa, we really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and, uh, and you can stick around for as long as you like, but if your battery's about to stop, just feel yes, free to sure. leave at any yeah. time. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. So, Melissa, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us and all before we start um, seeing what Maxine's trying to do to help? Um, just that, you know, I can't stop help but think about the people who are in shelters and, you know, it's like my heart bleeds for them because I could only imagine what it is like to not be in your home during this time. There are some people who they want to go back home. At this point, they say they know it's dangerous, but home is home. So it's really... It's a really difficult position that they're in because now a lot of their homes are already destroyed and they have no idea when they're going back because, I mean, as Tessa said as well, it's so unpredictable. And this may, they may be in shelters for months, so they'll have to be enduring this for so many months. Yeah. yeah it's it's kind of, it's bad. And I like, I'm from a part of the States where we, get hurricanes from time to time and um, I'm far enough inland to where I wouldn't have to evacuate but the, the schools and a lot of the bigger buildings in this area it's always used for refugees and all and the thing about a hurricane that's different than this we know it's going to be over in a few days you know <laughs> but um, you know and, and people will be able to go home but that's but you don't have that light shining for you guys and, and, and that's got to be just like I said earlier, it's gotta be yeah. maybe the worst part. And all so yeah. Well, Maxine, you're up. And yes. all excellent. Maxine, <laughs> everybody, she she's here with us today. She's from St. Vincent, but she's uh in the the uh, Los Angeles of the East Coast in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> and all um and and she's got some she's doing some things to try and direct from some relief and stuff there. And uh, we're gonna let her talk for a few minutes now. Welcome, Maxine. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and um, to have the opportunity to talk about it. Um, yeah, one of the things we, so in where I am, there's a lot of Caribbean associations or Caribbean organizations. And so I was able to partner with um, at least two of them here to see what we can do, what sort of effort we can pull together to get um, items and, and monetary donations to St. Vincent. Um, and so we also partnered with the Lions Club in St. Vincent. And we've, we've actually, we actually had a meeting this week um, to talk to him to get an idea of what sort of items we should send and how it should be sent and who it should be addressed to. Um, and so tomorrow we're starting our first drive um, from 10 to two at a local Caribbean uh, television network station here. So we'll be outside with tents and boxes and we are just petitioning for volunteers to come out and donate items and to help. And we also are doing it again on the 24th. And the goal is to get two barrels together um, to ship that down and hopefully have someone go be there as well to receive it. I'm not sure how that's going to work out with everyone's schedule. Um, so that's what we're doing so far um, with, with me being involved. There are also a lot of other um, small organizations and individuals that have created initiatives and funds to collect goods and items. I mean, all over the United States, you know, there are flyers popping up. Um, you know, my concern is that I'm hoping that they're all legitimate, but there's been quite a lot of people um, coming together for this. And, and I've been telling my family, I said, you know, I remember when people will ask me because I lost my accent, but it's there a little bit sometimes. And so people will always ask me where I'm from. And when I say St. Vincent and the Grenadines and they'll say, where is that? Is that Grenada? And I'm like, no. So they would, no one ever, they've never heard of St. Vincent. So I'd have, always have to pull out a map and tell them or give a description of where it's located in the Caribbean Sea. And then they'll go, oh, oh, but you can tell they still don't know. And so one of the, one of the things I was telling my family is that little old St. Vincent that no one has ever heard of is now just the name is across the board everywhere in the United States, all over the world, like everyone knows about St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, and so I was excited to see that, you know, despite the circumstances. Um, and when, you know, even here where I am, there, I've not really run into a lot of people from St. Vincent. So luckily I've some, found someone on Facebook. And so she and I got together to work with these organizations to, um, to do the, the drive to collect the goods and the funds um, to send down to St. Vincent. So, and I've spoken to my, my family, I've spoken to my brother and my sisters. They've been giving me updates since last Friday. I'm getting voice notes and my brother called me on video yesterday. And I guess they're in so much shock. He just really wanted to show me. So he had me on the phone for at least an hour and he's like, I'm flipping my phone. Do you see all the ash? And he's just like showing me the, the ground and just, you know, just showing me everywhere. And um, when I look at it, I just can't believe that's the place where I grew up. When I, I remember it being um, so lively and, and a lot of greenery. And when I saw that, I, I just, I felt like, oh my gosh, it's like a war zone. So, um, but luckily my family was able to get out of the red zone area. 
they evacuated the, the Thursday before it actually erupted. And so they were able to get to a safe location. Uh, one of the concerns that, that um, they were talking about was just the after effects, the stress that they're going to endure uh, and, and just really thinking about, you know, the food supply and water and, you know, all of that stuff. And then with so many people on stress and that coping mechanism, like, what are they going to do? Like Melissa talked about earlier with the joking and everything, but, you know, how much longer would a person be able to maintain that, you know, um, given their mental wellness and well-being? Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I'm glad that we were able to come together to do something. For me, um, one of the things I'm working on is forming a St. Vincent and the Grenadines Association here so that we can continue with the efforts of helping um, individuals. I think it was Tessa that mentioned that, you know, right now everyone's concerned about the immediate effects of the volcano and everyone wants to donate goods, but we got to think about what's happening three months from now, six months from now, you know, does everyone still have the necessary items that they need? Do they still have the money that they need? So that's one of the things that I'm working on. Tessa, if she's still there, I know she had asked me to just keep her updated on that. Um, so that's one of the things that we'll be working on, you know, trying to see how we can partner with other organizations there um, underground and, and seeing, you know, what we can do in the long term to make sure that, um, that people are still aware that, you know, the after effects is still penetrating through the country and we still need to provide help, you know, so. Excellent, thank, thank you very much. Um, I don't think we're gonna get this video out before your event tomorrow. But yeah. please, please, please find us on social media mm -hmm. and tag us on these things and we'll, 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 uh, we'll share with uh, the people we have contact with. But, uh, oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. If you can that, that we can do that. Now. Yeah, yes. that will definitely work. If you can put your social media handle in the chat, I'll, I can copy it. Okay. I, I think you can find it on our webpage. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Oh, it's on your webpage. Right okay. Yeah. Perfect. Let's see. And I don't, uh, and maybe we're going to cut this part out, right? And maybe the okay. Bob can uh, share you her stuff too. But here's a, here's a link to our webpage right there. Oh, she, she look at, she's all, she, she's on top of it. She was ready for mm -hmm. that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I wanted uh, to, um, just to add to what Maxine said, I think you, know, you made an important point that we need ongoing support for St. Vincent for, for their recovery because, you know, everyone is, I guess, mobilized right now, seeing the immediate um, impact. But when we're talking about rebuilding, it's going to be a long-term effort. So I'm glad to hear you, you already thinking about that to be able to offer that support and getting the diaspora, not just persons from St. Vincent, but I think the Caribbean diaspora mm -hmm. as a whole, you know, would be willing to, to come together to assist. So I commend you for the work that you continue to do. Yeah. One I family, yes. One family, we, you know, that's been the, the I guess the hashtag, one Caribbean, one family and 
I, I mean, last night I, I was almost brought to tears because, you know, this group, uh, the organization that I'm working on, I was actually a board member for that organization. And then the, the Caribbean Network, um, I actually did work with them to do their strategic planning. So to see them, all of us again in one group come back together and they're like, what do we, what can we do to help? And, you know, they're like, we're one family and these, they're from Guyana, Trinidad, Jamaica, and we're all in that one group. And everyone's like, okay, you know, who's taking care of the volunteers? You know, I have a barrel, I can reach out to this person. I have this contact. And so even though we're a small group, we're still making some sort of impact by the connections that the people in the group have and you know just putting our heads together and saying well what else can we do and so for me because I'm always thinking strategically I'm like okay well this is fine for now let everyone focus on this but in the long run and, and I always equate it to a few when someone passes away and you go to the funeral everyone's there for the viewing and the burial and then, and they are comforting the family members, but no one normally checks back three months later, four months later, and that person is still mourning. And, you know, so for me, I get it this way, when disasters, natural disasters, and especially, you know, specifically this volcano, and just seeing the videos of how devastating the country looks, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, wow, it's going to be a long road to recovery. So... Yeah. Yeah. We, we, well, you know, here in the States, we got this Thanksgiving every November that we have and all mm -hmm. the schools and everybody, churches and all, they'll have these food drives so they can feed people that don't have enough food. And that's a good thing they're doing and all. Um, but the problem is none of these different groups say, okay, we did great. We fed all these people and, and for Thanksgiving, they had lot, enough food. But they never go on to say, but what are they going to do next week? You know, what are they going to do next week? And that's something that that we as Americans need to start thinking about. We need to think about these things. Oh, I feel so good because I help these people. But for a blink of an eye, you know, um, what are we going to do next week? And that's just a really important thing that, that you guys are talking about. And I really appreciate that because this is going to be a long haul for, you, for, for the people there in that region. And it, it's not going to be a quick fix and all. And, and it's not even over yet. It's not even began. The, 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 the rebuilding hasn't even, you know, it's, it's bad. It hasn't even started. And I think, I believe there's still explosions happening, right? Did, were there anything today, Melissa? Was there any explosions today? There was one this morning. Or eruption, 16. I should say. Yeah, mm -hmm. there was an explosion this morning around 6.16 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Well, do anybody, does anybody else have a question or anything to add at this point? I think we're all good. And I'll um, really appreciate you guys being with us today.